Welcome to this week's edition of New York Now. I'm Dan Clark. We are now less than two weeks away from the state budget deadline in New York, and there is a lot on the line here. For one, we're talking about $216 billion in spending, or more, depending on how budget talks go. But every year, there's also this debate about policy in the state budget. There's a long-standing practice in Albany of using the budget as leverage for key policy items. In the last few years alone, we've seen things like criminal justice reform, gestational surrogacy, and a lot more wind up in the state budget. But this year could be different. Both the state Senate and the Assembly passed their own rebuttal spending plans to Hochul's budget this week and took out a lot of policy, saying they want to focus on the numbers. Hochul, who wants things like alcohol to go and new ethics laws in the budget, responded on Monday, saying she's standing by those priorities. So there is precedent for policy, and I believe that it makes sense, especially we have a, a shortened time frame. The legislature plans on leaving early in June, and we want to get it all done. We have a lot of ideas that we believe that we can work through with the leadership, and so uh, I feel comfortable with that. And we did see some wiggle room on that this week from Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins, who said it's not that policy has to be out of the budget, it's just that not everything's going to make it in. Uh, we're not opposed to all policies being removed, but, you know, some are easier than others. And uh, listen, I'm willing to have a, a discussion about what can be done and what cannot be done in the budget. So let's get more into that and other news from the week with Michael Gormley from Newsday and Joe Spector from Politico New York. Thank you both for being here. Great to be here. Really interesting week this week. So the one house budgets were passed. I want to go to you first, Mike. So what were your big takeaways here? For me, I'm looking at, I'm, I am interested in what's in these budgets. I'm interested in what's in the final budget. I'm also really interested in this new dynamic between the legislature and the governor. What were your takeaways here? Well, you're right. It's an interesting budget year this year already. Uh, what's also important is what's not in the budget, and what's not in the budget is a lot in the Senate and the Assembly budget responses is that there's not a lot of Kathy Hochul's, Governor Kathy Hochul's policy measures. Right. They're saying, out. Um, and we did a story a couple weeks ago where they were going to really make a big deal of it. Frankly, they, they cut out more than I expected. Um, so they're trying to make the budget process about fiscal issues rather than about policy. And as you guys both know from your reporting, uh, the reason the legislature would want to do that is the governor has extraordinary leverage during the budget process to include his or her policy measures. Exactly. We're talking to Liz Kruger actually right after this segment of the show, and she I asked her about this, and not to spoil it for people who are watching the show, <laughs> but she says that the legislature is trying to move in a direction of let's focus on the numbers for the budget, the rest of session is about the policy side of it. Mm -hmm. But this year's an election year. Mike, can they do it all in these next, I don't know, what is it, three, two, three months that they have left well, before the, they leave? Ele elections are a big motivator. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the budget is, Governor Hochul put in a lot of money in the budget. Legislature wants to put even more. Um, so there probably is going to be agreement on that. That's big for elections. But they'll have enough time in the policy session to get at least their positions out. They can, they can campaign on what, what they passed right. if it doesn't actually become law. So, Joe, what are you looking for in this budget? You know, I should mention to people, this is $216 billion, so we're never going to get through everything. But what are your top things that you're looking at? I think we should go through each line item. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So $216 billion <laughs> and just break it down for viewers. No, it's, um, well, for, for one, you, you mentioned $216 billion. 
there's not um, uh, an issue where there's not going to be enough money to go around. I yeah. mean, you know, everybody always wants more, mm -hmm. right? I mean, every special interest group, they're all at the Capitol still saying we should have more for child care and all these other. And child care is one that we should know because there's a real push to have sort of, quote unquote, universal child care. And uh, there's three billion dollars that the assembly included in their plan. So that's going to be one to watch as well. But um, what was out? is also, as, as Mike said, is key. And one of those is mayoral control for city schools. And that's right. one that, um, and we'll talk probably a little bit more about it with the bail reform that uh, may or may not be part of this deal <laughs> as well. But you know what you don't include in the budget becomes an after budget issue for June. And, and when there's a lot of leverage is when you could throw things in a budget and say, listen, I had a vote for the budget. There was all this great money for education and this and that. And so you often see an issue like, well, maybe not mayoral control because that usually gets kicked off. But you'll, you'll see other issues get thrown in there to somewhat force lawmakers to vote for it. And then they can go home and say, well, why'd you vote for this? Well, because I had to vote for X, Y, and Z. So by pulling out a lot of that policy measures, you wonder if they'll get back to them in June or they'll be left undone, especially in an election year when in June they'll be focusing on the primaries and maybe don't want to address some of the uh, thorny issues that they didn't do in the budget. What's your sense of how a governor, Kathy Hochul, changes this process versus a governor, Andrew Cuomo? They're very different styles of leadership. Very different styles of leadership. I mean, Cuomo uh, more or less uh, was, you know, this is the way we're going to do it. And, uh, and it didn't bode well for his relationship with the legislature. But remember, this is Kathy Hochul's first budget, as you noted, and she's going to want to have a lot of victories. And if there's going to be pushback from the legislature, uh, you know, on some of those, she's going to have uh, she's going to have a fight on her hands. There's no question. You know, maybe with uh, with Cuomo out, it elevates the power of uh, Andrew Stewart Cousins and Carl Hasty in that they've been in that room before. Yep. You know, you remember back and Mike does too when um, David Patterson uh, was in office or even when Cuomo first came in, you know, they didn't have the experience of like a Shelly Silver or Joe Bruno or even Dean Skello. So how does that dynamic work when you have lawmakers and legislative leaders who have been there mm -hmm. and Kathy Hochul is the first one that you have to do it? And I wonder if this year we see Kathy Hochul give a lot of concessions to the legislature because I imagine the first year that she's in office where she's in an election year, she probably doesn't want to create this tension that the legislature had with Andrew Cuomo before. But it looks like that might already be happening with bail reform, at least. Let's switch to that, Mike. So it was leaked to the New York Post on Thursday, a 10-point plan from the Hochul administration on rolling back some aspects of bail reform, maybe adding in some new criminal justice measures. Uh, we don't have to go through all of it, but what were the top lines there? Uh, the top lines are that uh, judges would have more discretion to consider the dangerousness to a community of releasing someone. Mm. Also, there's more char there are more charges that would be that a judge could set bail for to mm. basically keep people in. And also, there's an one that's kind of in the weeds, but it's very important: uh, this discovery issue. Yes. Um, uh, the uh, she's she would roll back a little bit of the required discovery where. Prosecutors would have to give all their information to the defense attorney early. Um, she's she's eased up on that a bit. That's a big problem. I mean, when that passed in 2020, I, I don't want to say it's a problem, but in 2020 when it passed, a problem that came along with it is the DA said, well, you give me these tighter deadlines, but you don't give me the funding to go with it. So they're working with the same staff to do a, a much faster pace of work and mm -hmm. it just wasn't working for everybody. Mm -hmm. There was some money in last year's budget for it, but I know they're still struggling. Mm -hmm. So uh, the legislature's not happy about this, I'm assuming. I would just I would just caution New Yorkers, 
nothing necessarily happened this week. I mean, it's yes. good that the, <laughs> that's it's very good, true. That's very it's true. It's good that the governor put out a position, and a lot of politicians won't. So I give her credit for that. She put out her position, but she had two other opportunities to really force this issue in the, the, her budget in January or in her 30-day amendments in February, and she didn't. Mm -hmm. um, now we've got a legislature that doesn't want to deal with this for some good reasons. Um, and um, she's put out her position, but it doesn't mean that anything's going to happen on this. Right, and that comes back to the point that we were making before about is this a year where Kathy Holcomb can get what she wants, or is maybe she kicks the can down the road to next year? Although I have to imagine on criminal justice and crime that lawmakers have to do something that makes a headline because that crime issue is going to be important for this year's election. It's a huge issue. I mean, you know, Mike covers Long Island, uh, you know, in the suburbs and even in the city. You know, you saw the you saw in last year's election the bail reforms was a huge issue, and uh, many. Democrats on Long Island lost because of that. Right. And uh, so to go into this year without any reforms, uh, you know, could be problematic. But at the same time, you know, you talk to people and they'll say, we could do anything on bail reform. And it's still going to be an issue in, mm -hmm. in, in November. I mean, Republicans, even, even in a Democratic uh, primary, Tom Swazi, he's made that a key plank of, of his agenda. Congressman yeah. Swazi has made that an issue, a big issue in his campaign, but it goes back months. So he's able to, as he did yesterday, say that, um, you know, that he thinks that Governor Hochul was responding to his pressure. To some degree, it's probably true. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Politics is going to be key this year. But we do have to leave it there. Mike Gormley from Newsday, Joe Spector from Politico. Thank you both so much. Thank you. So on the Senate side, the state budget will be negotiated by the Senate Finance Committee. They'll be pulling some pretty long hours in the next couple of weeks. And that includes State Senator Liz Krueger, the chair of the Finance Committee. We spoke this week about where the budget stands and what's ahead. Senator Krueger, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Happy to be. So we're talking about the state budget. New York is in a better financial condition this year than in years past because of federal relief during the pandemic and also better than expected tax receipts. I'm wondering, does that make it easier to negotiate a budget because we have all of this money or does it make it harder because we have all of this money and everybody wants a piece of it? You know, I think it actually makes it a little harder because people recognize that there are some funds and so they definitely want to fight over them because everybody has their own priorities. They also recognize we have a governor, a new governor, her name's Kathy Hochul, and she actually seems to believe um, that her job is to work with the legislature and the people of New York State to come up with the best outcome, as opposed to our pre previous governor, who thought he was the only one in the whole world who knew anything, and everyone else was just an irritant to him. Um, and that, that truly was played out during the budget process. So look, we don't all agree with Kathy's budget and the legislature, both houses made it clear in their one houses that were not identical to her agenda. Although on most things we really do agree and we want to negotiate out what we think is the best answers for 20 million New Yorkers. And I feel like we're not going to have a problem getting to that goal line, but there are definitely more participants showing up saying, let me explain why we've been starved to death. We've been underfunded for so long and we need to do something about it that now that New York State is in a far, far better economic position 
than it has been for quite a few years. You know, there is a, a minor disagreement, and I don't necessarily think it's a, a big thing. So the governor has put policy in her budget. It's a longstanding practice in Albany for the governor to do that. The legislature mostly stripped that policy out in their one-house budgets. And I don't think that that's necessarily unusual, but do you see this changing uh, this year? Do you see policy staying out of the budget, or do you think there's an opening for it to wiggle back in? Well, I don't think either house pulled out all policy. Right. Because many policies have a fiscal attached to them. So I think in general, it is the philosophy of both houses of the legislature that if there are policy changes that impact significantly fiscal expenditures or revenues, that's the kind of policy that needs to be in the budget. But if they are just policy positions that don't actually have a fiscal impact, those should be done separately as freestanding statutes through the two houses, then voted, um, vetoed, or signed by the governor. And I think both houses continue our belief that that's the appropriate set of standards to be used for dealing with state law and the budget, because they're not always hand in hand. You know, we are also living at a time right now where inflation is going up, the cost of gasoline is obviously very high. How important is it in this budget to provide relief to people in New York that are really struggling to, to meet their costs right now because of these higher prices everywhere? So I, speaking for the Senate, we worked very hard to make sure that we were um, following through on speeding up the middle income tax cuts that had already been passed, but were scheduled to come in over a slower number of years. So we in our one house recommended moving those up to continue this year. We supported the governor's plan around a star expansion, although we changed the numbers a bit to reflect more on the lower income homeowners than in her plan, um, but still the same amount of money going out. Um, we did not increase taxes. We did recommend a sales tax holiday on a portion of the gas sales tax at the state level and authority for the counties to do the same at their level. Remember, most sales taxes, half state, half local. But we recognize that right now, thanks to Putin and Russia, we're seeing a skyrocketing in the cost of gasoline and that we need to confront, at least at some level for a while, is there something we can do to help um, mitigate the very rapidly growing costs of gasoline? So over the next two weeks, uh, things will fall out of the budget that happens every year. I, I, I don't know if you can talk about specific items necessarily, but is there anything that's a top priority that you really want to keep in the budget in terms of the Senate side? Something that you really don't want to see fall out before a final budget deal is passed? I would say that two of the big issues my conference wants to fight for is a true investment in heading towards universal childcare, both with universal pre-K statewide and with universal availability of childcare on a sliding scale um, for below the age of four, before you hit the pre-K years. And so we have a very robust proposal we have put in Maybe we'll need to roll it in over a longer period of time than we've proposed so that it is not a giant cost in the first year. But people are 
are desperate to see this because people, families can't go back to work. Right. People can't go back to work, even though they need the income from both, if there's no place that they can be assured that their young children are being cared for carefully and safely. It's just a reality that we need to confront in the 21st century. And at the other end of the age spectrum, we have a crisis in home care services. We have people who are being released from hospitals, and yet the hospitals are reporting there are no home care workers to be hired, and we need transformatively to be assured that there is going to be an adequate workforce to deal with these issues, to take care of us um, and our and our parents and our grandparents. And when you are paying people a higher minimum wage to flip burgers, then you are paying, paying people to care for your most vulnerable older adults and disabled adults. Something's wrong with your priorities. And so we are hoping that we can also make a serious dent in the underfunding of the home care healthcare universe. All right, there's a lot to look at in the next couple of weeks, ending with a $216 billion or more budget. So we'll keep an eye on it. Senator Liz Kruger, thank you so much. Thank you very much. So now we'll see lawmakers like Kruger head into final budget talks over the next two weeks. There are a lot of interested parties here, including the state's county officials. They were in the Albany area this week to meet on their priorities and hear from top officials. Daryl Camp reports. County officials from across New York State were in the Albany area this week, and one topic appeared top of mind, the state's $216 billion budget. State Comptroller Tom DiNapoli made an appearance to give his take on the budget, which he said was on the right track but could use some work. He wants Governor Hochul and the state legislature to change a plan that would set aside money for the state's reserves. Hochul wants to add billions of dollars to the state's rainy day fund but wants to be flexible with that money. DiNapoli said that's a bad idea. Building up reserves is important, but a concern that I have is a lot of what the governor's proposing is to keep money in kind of on the side in informal reserve. It's not really the kind of structured, protected reserve that I really think we should be doing. Hochul, meanwhile, had other parts of the state budget on her mind. Lawmakers this week laid out their own priorities for the state budget, which is due at the end of March. They want the budget to be solely focused on the state's finances and stripped of policy. That's bad news for Hochul, who has a few key policy items that she wants in a final budget deal, like alcohol to go. Hochul told reporters that budget or not, she wants it done before lawmakers leave Albany for the year in June. This is to help them recruit the money that they lost during the pandemic when they were shut down. This is a lifeline for them. So I don't want to cut off that lifeline that our businesses are begging for. But there is one area that lawmakers and Hochul agree, that's public safety. The Senate and Assembly want to build on Hochul's proposal to spend millions of dollars on crime intervention services and violence interrupters this year. But some county officials said they'd like a different approach. Dutchess County Executive Mark Molinaro is a Republican and the president of the New York State County Executives Association. He said lawmakers should take a second look at the state's recently enacted criminal justice laws and the cost they've had for counties. One area of concern is automatic discovery. That creates tighter deadlines for prosecutors and, Molinaro said, it exponentially increases their workload. Discovery reform um, not only is an unfunded mandate, it is a massive disincentive to prosecute even 
um, the simplest, let alone the most complicated of crimes. That being said, there is still time for changes to the state spending plan, which is not due until the end of the month. For New York Now, I'm Daryl Camp in Albany. And as we mentioned earlier, Hochul is proposing a new package of criminal justice reforms. We'll see where that ends up. But turning now to health care in the state budget, Democrats in both the state Senate and the Assembly want to create a new public health care option this year for low-income undocumented immigrants in New York. The idea would be to give them access to the state's essential plan, a public health care option for low-income people. Assembly Speaker Carl Hastie said this week it's going to be a top priority during budget talks. If people are going to get sick, they have to be taken care of, and so it's an expense that the hospitals would, would uh, bear anyway. So I think it's very important that, uh, you know, one lesson we learned throughout this pandemic is to make sure that people are, are, are healthy, and so it's very important to us. Supporters say it would bridge a health care gap for undocumented people who can't get Medicaid. For more on that, I spoke with Murad Awada, executive director of the New York Immigration Coalition. Murad, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Of course, anytime. So this bill would essentially create a public option for low-income undocumented people to get health insurance. First, I want to get some context from you. So do we know in New York what share of the undocumented community is living without health insurance right now? There are tens of thousands of New Yorkers who currently do not have um, health insurance. And as we're living through the global pandemic, we've seen the impacts of those who have not had health care options um, or the opportunity to get the health care that they needed to be able to not just survive in the state, but to thrive. So we're working really diligently right now to make sure that coverage for all becomes a reality this year in the upcoming budget so that tens of thousands of essential workers, folks that we were clapping for at 7 p.m. every night um, over the past two years have the opportunity um, to get the care that they need. So I know that if I didn't have health insurance, I would never go to the doctor because of the cost. And I'm wondering for these undocumented people that don't have health insurance, is that the case? Are they foregoing care or are they seeking out care but just can't afford it? Um, I think it's a little bit of both, right? Um, folks, if you are in desperate need of care, you're going to end up at the emergency room. And people also can't afford paying Doctors' visits can't afford paying for uh, medication, um, which is why coverage for all is so essential in this moment. Uh, we really need to make sure that this year, Governor Hochul and our state legislative leaders ensure that they deliver for 30, a third of New York State's essential workers and 50% of New York City's essential workers who fought to keep our, our state running during uh, the pandemic and continue to keep our economy going, right? So in this moment, this is the this is the moment that we need to be able to deliver for everyone in the state of New York to have quality health care. So this bill would provide a public health care option to undocumented people who make up to 200% of the federal poverty level. I'm wondering, what do you do about the people who don't have pay stubs and W-2s to prove that they could be income eligible for this plan? How do you address those people? Well, there's a number of different ways um, to do that. Um, folks have the ability to prove their income through bank statements, um, through letters from employment. Um, you know, they're 1099s when they're self-employed and they're contractors. There's a number of different ways that folks improve um, their income eligibility. 
So I imagine opponents of the bill would point to the cost. I believe it's estimated to be uh, about $500 million. Correct me if I'm wrong. And I imagine the opponents of the bill would point to that undocumented people don't pay the same amount in taxes as people who are here, native-born citizens. How do you address that concern from people who might say, well, where do we get the money to pay for this? Well, thankfully, the state has over $10 billion with B with a bill, like billions with a B um, in surplus this year. And I believe that the state will continue to have a surplus moving forward into the future years. I think that the question isn't how do we pay for this? I think the question is the New York state budget is a moral document that illustrates our values. And do we want our values in our New York state budget to illustrate us leaving people out or us actually taking care of people who took care of our economy, our families, cooked us meals, made sure that our fruits and vegetables were picked um, and harvested. So I think that the the question isn't, you know, is it too much? How how what do you how do you quantify a life in in dollars? Um, and the actual cost, um, which has been updated recently, is 345 million. And 345 million would cover tens of thousands of New Yorkers to be able to have access for health insurance, right? That's what it comes down to. For you to get care, you need the health insurance. Um, and we have support from Buffalo to Rochester, all the way down to the East End of Long Island. And this isn't, you know, a one-house issue. This isn't um, a one, you know, elected official issue. We have an enormous amount of support across the state in uh, our communities, as well as with our elected officials. All right, it's something to watch as we continue talking about this year's state budget. Murata Wauda from the New York Immigration Coalition, thank you so much. Thank you. So far, Governor Hochul hasn't said if she's on board with that idea, but we do have to leave it there. Thanks for watching this week's New York Now. Have a great week and be well.